This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with the ball in the air. Makes the catch. Welcome to Oski Talk. I'm Drew Pastoric, joined by Les Honeywood and Brant Dolce. Brant on the road, returning from Champaign, site of a rousing Illini victory over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights Sunday afternoon. We'll certainly talk about that. We'll talk about the return of Terrence Shannon Jr. People have some thoughts about Terrence Shannon being back. And if you pay attention to the show, you know that Plez and Brant and myself will have some thoughts as well. So surely going to be talking about that. Uh, women's hoops had a, a bit of a bounce back this week, dropped a game uh, on Saturday, but we'll talk about some women's hoops as well. It's going to be a big theme of the show, talking basketball, talking ball with Plez and Brant. With that said, before we jump in, Oski Talk is sponsored by Liddyville LLC. You can join the movement, support Illini athletes, as well as University of Illinois alumni organizations and charities by purchasing officially licensed merchandise at liddyville.com. Plez Brandt, I don't know if you've seen the collection of merch lately, but they do have some basketball signed hats, the family white snapback hats. They've got one signed by uh, Marcus Damask, Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, Luke Goody, and some others. So go to LiddyVille.com, check them out, and place an order today. Hey, I got a question for you, Drew. Does, does that Dre Gibbs Lawhorn uh, hat also have his mom's signature on it, by chance? I, th- I think you get 10 angry tweets with every cap purchase. I think that's how it works. Uh if you haven't taken a look at DGL online, he basically said if it didn't, if it didn't come from me, it doesn't matter. I'm here to stay. So interesting. Um, we yeah. might get into that a little bit, but yeah, there's been some discourse for sure recently with the DGL playing time or lack thereof, as you pointed out in your piece last week. Uh, DGL is DNP, and we almost <laughs> saw another DNP today until the last like two and a half minutes of the Rutgers game. Um, But yeah, I I saw the same thing that people were saying, look, we know there's this other person in his life that says a lot of things, but Dre Gibbs Lawhorn himself has not said it. Didn't we have that with Sky last year where it's like, he's taking a break. He's not gone. He's just not with us. And it's like, okay, sure. (laughs) We know where this is headed. We know where it's going. I tell you what, though, Sky Clark had foresight. He picked a great coach with a, in a great program. He's really doing well for himself. Um, I think they doubled their win total from, from three last year. I think they have six now. So uh, crushing it down yeah. there in Louisville. Yeah, it's like uh, Omar Payne going to Jacksonville, where you can play in front of 309 people every single night. He wasn't even starting there, I don't think. No. And now he's at UCF, he went from, though. 
he was at UCF now, and they're you know they just had the the nice little upset over Texas and the horns down and all that kerfuffle. Rodney Terry mm-hmm. threw a little shit fit about that, and then literally they beat Baylor, and he did the same exact stuff that he was complaining about UCF doing. So that's nice. That's fun. Hey, uh, I got a, I got news for Coach Terry. He's getting ready to go into the SEC in about three months. Good luck bitching about that yeah. in the SEC. We'll see how that plays. Yeah. Alabama fans literally poisoned another college's trees. So I don't think you complaining about a hand gesture is going to get much traction. They'll have a different hand gesture for you. They're going to say, you're number one, coach. And that's yeah. probably how that's going to go. They do not care down there. It's not going to work out well for him. I, I would say he's got maybe one no. season in the SEC before he gets bounced out of there. But anyway, uh, before I jump into the hoops chatter, uh, there is some Illini athletics news to uh, to talk about. Uh, we like to refer to it here on the show as the Illini of the week. So just want to give a quick shout out to Illini Gymnastics, uh, a tough loss to Nebraska over the weekend, uh, lost by – Point four seven five points, so very uh, competitive match against Nebraska. But uh, Abby Mueller did win gold in floor exercise, a score of 9.95, career best total for her. Amelia Knight paced the Illini on bars with a total of 9.925. Ariel Ward scoring 9.85 in vault, and Mia Takakawa scoring a 9.90 on balance beam. So even though Illinois did not win that meet, a lot of very strong individual performances for the Illini uh, moved to five and two on the season, and they will visit the Ohio State University on the 29th. I feel like I should just get canceled for saying that the way that I said it. The University of Illinois track and field was also in action this weekend in Iowa City. And a lot of uh, stalwart performances. I got a shot, uh, shout out to them as well. Uh, Tori Thomas won her third pole vault title this season, a, a distance of 4.3 meters. Sophomore Mia Morello took second with 4.2 meters. And Kelsey Rothis took bronze in pole vault at 4.10 meters. So sweeping the podium this weekend in Iowa City. As far as the, um, the distance competitions, Saw a uh, senior Will Merrick finish second in the mile run, a time of four minutes, 6.27 seconds. <laughs> you gave me maybe uh half a mile. I probably couldn't do that. Maybe a 10th of a mile. I couldn't do that. Not so good with the, uh, if they did the presidential physical fitness test now, I can't speak for you, Plez or Brant, but uh, I would be, uh, <laughs> I'd probably have to retake gym. I'd be held back. <laughs> that's not something I would uh, even entertain at this point. I'm pretty sure I have a torn meniscus in my left knee. I'm pretty sure I need my right knee completely replaced. And I got several issues with my back and neck. So I don't, I don't think I'm going to, what, so what is that? That's the, it's like 50 pushups, 50 setups, mile run, shuttle run. And then you do the, uh, like the, then you do the thing where you like the box where you put your feet against the edge and you have to like stretch your hands out. That was part (laughs) of it, which like everyone is is, like sitting hamstring stretch or something. Then there was like a pull up test, which I still can't do more than like two. I would say if they had part of the presidential physical fitness testing now was 
how in shape your hair and beard was, you would want a gold medal in that for sure. Because you're crushing the beard and hair game right now. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I just want to tell you that. I don't mean this to say like I'm fast, but I feel like I'd have a better chance of getting like a 10 second 100 meter dash than I would a four minute mile. I couldn't do Ooh, either we, one we, at all, but I feel like I'd have oof. a better chance of like getting it out of the way quickly than having the endurance to run a four minute mile. What, you know, that's a good point on the, on the speed test. Maybe uh, do we need to get your wife in here and she can testify to how, how fast you are potentially. <laughs> Cause I don't want, oh I mean, my. I figure that would be, I figure that would be pretty impressive. Some pretty impressive times. Don't even get the stop. Watch out. Come backwards from 10. Love you too, uh, honey. Oh, Brant, we lost you. I think Brant's driving through a tunnel right now. I think we're, I think we're, uh, we lost connection with Brant. Uh, I, that was teed up for me there. I'm sorry. Had, We've derailed already. Up. We're like five minutes in and we're already just completely off the rails. Yeah. Plus needs Next to say something. Gonna be... This is going to end up being a four minute, a four hour deal here. I'm just trying to, you know, give some, some plaudits to our track and field athletes that it turned into just something I was not expecting whatsoever. Well, I mean, pole vault, speed testing. I mean, kind of had all the different facets there to wrap this, all these jokes I, into one little nice right. package. I, yeah. I was telling that story because we also had some, some speedy contestants, some speedy competitors. Uh, Jessica McDowell won the 400 meter dash, 53.46 seconds. Uh, Tadeus Placek won silver oh. in the men's 400. 47.98 seconds, and uh, Victor Morozov won silver in the triple jump, 12.55 meters. So, oh man, people that are that are running faster and jumping higher than I could ever fathom. That was the whole point. That's what I was getting at. So, uh, kudos to Illini track and field. With that said, now that we've gotten all the uh, all that out of the way, let's talk some ball, gentlemen. It's uh, it was a pretty fun weekend for. Illini hoops. Even the women got kind of back on track a little bit. They had a, a rough start to Big Ten play. They uh, had a 40-plus a point win over Northwestern. Then they had a 38-point win over Rutgers. I think that was Wednesday evening. A shout-out to our, our Will Charlton from the Champagne Room on the call there for Big Ten Plus the other night. Did a good job. So basically, like, we're seeing – a pattern with Shauna Green's team. And you know, we won't spend a ton of time on the women's games, but um, you know, they blow out Rutgers 96 to 68. It was 23 to 5 after the first quarter. And Illinois outscored Rutgers 51-34 in the second half. We we done well against Rutgers this past week. I'll say that. Illinois just in general, um, doing well, cleaning up in hoops against the Scarlet Knights. Illinois had six and double figures in that victory. Shot 54%, including 19 of 31 in the first half. So just a really well-rounded performance. And the offense was playing very well against Maryland as well. Illinois did fall to the Terps on Saturday, 90 to 82. But she had five more Illini in double figures. Genesis Bryant with 19. Uh, Camille Hobbies really emerged as a, a pretty good option. 18 points, 8 of 11 shooting. Had seven rebounds and four steals. Kendall Bostic at 13, Makaira Cook 13, Adalia McKenzie with 12. Look, Illinois was 
Shot 49% in this game against Maryland, 30 out of 61. They were 16 of 16 from the free throw line. Maryland is just a little bit better offensively. That's really what that boiled down to. I mean, there was really nothing you could look at to, you know, negatively offensively. Illinois really played well. Just Maryland had, you know, five more made baskets, a couple of more made threes. Terps were 61% from three on Saturday, eight out of 13. So, a small sample size, but they converted theirs and just a little bit better. Illinois played well. We've seen this pattern with Shauna Green's team the last couple of years. They're really good at beating bad teams, right? And then they have a hard time leveling up. They might play well for stretches, but can't complete those. Can't, you know, the only example that is against that is last January beating Caitlin Clark and Iowa in Champaign. Other than that, have yet to beat a ranked team, still don't have a quad one or quad two victory this season. So we know we're not going to see the Nancy Faye stuff where they're losing to like SIU Edwardsville or teams like that. Like that's not going to happen. Illinois is going to beat the teams they are, quote, supposed to beat and beat them pretty easily for the most part. It's those, it's now taking that next step of beating those higher caliber teams, you know, in the big 10 or NCAA tournament caliber squads. That's the next step we haven't really gotten to yet. Yeah. I, w- I would like to just mention that last year in the conference tournament, uh, Illinois, Illinois women's basketball lost to Maryland in what was a hard, hard loss in a competitive game, Maryland. That's a really good program. And yeah. to your, to your point about leveling up, that's the kind of game this program is going to have to start winning consistently to take it to that next level. But again, this performance was better than their performance in the big 10 tournament last year. So that's a sign that the big picture, like the, the big picture measurables of the program are still trending in the right direction, despite some of the struggles earlier this year. Yeah. And they had that one really bad loss to Michigan to open big 10 play, but played, you know, a close game against Nebraska that they lost, uh, really hung with Indiana, gave the Hoosiers a hell of a game in Bloomington a couple weeks back. And, you know, it looks like they're they're inching closer. This is kind of what you would expect from a rebuilding type of team. We just kind of overshot the runway year one, making the tournament. You're like, whoa. But, you know, this is kind of what you do, right? It's like you win games first and then you get good later. And, no one's going to be mad at Shauna Green. You know, 22 wins in year one. You're eight and nine this year, but I think expectations were heightened just because of what we saw the year before. Plez, you and I have talked about this. Brant, you and I have talked about it as well. The the peril of the preseason poll. <laughs> There's a lot of teams that fall victim to the preseason hype. And I think had Illinois just had this season and maybe missed the NCAA tournament last year and say, okay, eight and nine, no big deal. But ranked 23rd to open the year, that was probably a little generous considering who was all coming back. You thought maybe they were going to pick up where they left off. But uh, again, I, I think there's a lot to like. They do a good job of spreading the offense around. It's not just like one or two players doing the work. But What have we said about Brad Underwood in March, right? It's like, he's not going to have success in March until he has success in March, right? Illinois is not going to beat a good team until they do. And I think they're, they're close. They're, they're pretty close to that. Just need to get over that hump. They've certainly got the talent 
and I think the the coaching to do it. The offense has been picking up of late. That's one thing they had struggled with at times this year uh, because they were one of the more efficient teams in the nation last year in scoring uh, both just in general and from the three-point line. So they are getting better on those categories. And if the ball goes in the hoop, you're going to have a chance to beat anybody. So if they can just keep consistently scoring points, I think they're going to you know score one of these upsets here. They do have Ohio State next. Ohio State just beat Iowa on Sunday. Uh, fans stormed the court and may or may not have injured Caitlin Clark, which is kind of a big deal. Um, maybe you've heard of Caitlin Clark. She's, she's pretty good. She's like the face of college basketball right now. So yeah, maybe you shouldn't be storming the court when you're the 14th ranked team in the country and you beat like the third ranked team in the country. Maybe it's not necessary, but I'm sure if Illinois beat Purdue, they would have done the same thing. So I can't really talk too much about that. Um, let's shift gears to the, uh, the men's side as, as it was a very busy week and a successful week for men's basketball. <laughs> Coming off the loss to Maryland and a frustrating defeat. Talked about that last week. Maryland being the turd in the punch bowl. For whatever reason, that's one of those teams Illinois just has a hard time with. Can't really explain it. That's a team that was terrible on the road. Couldn't score very well on the road. And then they like scored 70 points, 76 points. And, you know, won like their third road game under Kevin Willard since he's been their head coach. It's like, what are we doing? Uh, but a nice bounce back, beating the Wolverines soundly, a 15-point win in Ann Arbor, a game that you absolutely had to win, especially coming off the Maryland loss. You really needed to win that game. I think from now on, we should just spell Jawan Howard's last name with seven O's as he's yet to defeat Brad Underwood. I'm not going to give him the weird like sexual dom nickname that other people an Illinois fandom like to say, I'm not going to do that. That's creepy. It's weird. You're welcome in advance for that. Um, but Father Bradley is undefeated against Jawan Howard and the Michigan Wolverines. So that's that's always good. It's always a good sign. But remember, it's not a rivalry. Don't call it a rivalry. Well, it's. I will tell you this. It's not a rivalry in either sport right now. When's the last time we beat Michigan in football? When's the last time Michigan beat Illinois in basketball? There's not a rivalry really of any kind. Um, well, it's kind of embarrassing at this point. I mean, I know this is an Illinois podcast, and we'll talk about Illinois in a second. But if you just run down the list of things that Michigan basketball has either not accomplished or have decided to do, uh, head coach Jawan Howard gets a heart surgery. Phil Martelli, who's a borderline Hall of Famer in St. Joe's, takes over. They look like they're going to be a top 15 team. They beat St. John's by 24 points, I believe, at the Garden. St. John's has been really good since then. Um, Doug McDaniel looked like he was going to be rivaling for, you know, best point guard in the Big Ten. Jawan Howard comes back. What are they now? Overall, 9-11? and 8-11? and 11? What? I don't even know what their record is, but. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. and you, you, and oh, I forgot to mention this. Your point guard couldn't pass algebra. And he's suspended only for road games. So you have like I've literally never heard of that. Game. I didn't even know that, that was even an option. That's and yeah. oh, we also forgot when they played at the Palestra, John Howard decided not to be the head coach for that game and let Phil Martelli coach. Like what are it's embarrassing. Not to mention that he 
he tried to give a choke slam to the assistant coach from Wisconsin, and apparently he tried to KO the strength and conditioning coach recently. Um, and then he's on Twitter talking about with his Fab Five friends talking about how the real fans will stick around. I mean, yeah, the real fans are at the game on Thursday night. Woo! Yeah, you're getting drowned out by the opposing team student section in a home game. Like, that's... Now, my Which counterpoint the to top, that... Top of the yeah. stadium, and there was only about 150. Yeah. yeah, you could hear on television, you could hear the sure. ILL chants. Like, that's... Man, that's embarrassing. But in fairness, Michigan did win the Natty in football, so now their fans can stop pretending like they give a shit about basketball because that's always been their thing. They always crept up like hobbits, you know, halfway through the year. Woo, Michigan! Woo, Michigan! Hail to the victors, valiant! And not paying any attention whatsoever to, like, actual results that are happening. And I think it's a really good parallel between kind of Bruce Weber and Juwan Howard in terms of early success because of a predecessor or two. And now when it's up to you, you can kind of see what what can be done. And it sounds like Michigan is not going to fire Juwan Howard from what I've read. Please online, don't from let him stay. People. Lifetime oh, contract. Hey, I, I'm here for it. I, I, I bet you we get an Illinois booster too to pay for some of his salary. I bet you, I bet you we could, but uh, that game honestly wasn't as close as the final score indicated. Um, Illinois won 88, 73. I wrote a good piece about it. Use some Eminem references. It, it really wasn't that close of a game. There was a run in there by Michigan yeah. that kind of brought it back to, to earth at the end of the first half. But that second half was non-competitive, largely. And uh, I'll say this about the Maryland loss. I was at the game today. I watched the game in Michigan. It is pretty obvious to me that several players were either outright sick or not feeling well, including Quincy Garrier couldn't even really even jump in that game. And two tip dunks today. I think he's got about 30 rebounds his last two games. Um, Illinois shot eight for 40 in the second half. Like that's just one of those games yeah. where you lost. Yeah. And you could just see today. I mean, it's not Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde necessarily, but it, it's, it's what happened to the Illinois offense. If you could multiply when John Paddock came in for Luke Altmaier and multiply that on both sides of the ball, that's essentially what Terrence Shannon is to Illinois basketball. I mean, the electricity, the athleticism, the defense, the offense, I mean, Illinois scored 86 yeah. points today against the number six Ken Palm defense and didn't make a free throw or make hardly any threes. If they shoot their averages at the line in Big Ten play and behind the arc, they score well over 100 points tonight. Yeah, 22% from three and 59% from the free throw line and still won by 23. That's uh, And that wasn't that wasn't Dane Danger and Ty Rogers shooting free throws either today. No. What was Gary, a three for seven? And and Terrence Shannon missed a few too, which you could probably just chalk that up to being gone for a couple of weeks and you know still trying to get his get his bearings back. But yeah, that was uh that was a very interesting game. Like Illinois against Rutgers had a 15 point lead in the second half. I think it was 52 to 37. And then Rutgers cut it to 55-51. So they go on a 14 to 3 run to cut the lead down to four. Then Illinois goes on a 22 to five run. <laughs> so it's like they yeah, went from was, up 15 
to up four to up 23. And it felt like it took about 10 minutes for all that to happen. It's like the gong went off and they just went into overdrive. And some of that was TSJ, but guys started hitting shots. I think at one point during that run, they made seven or eight shots in a row and were really able to, to put the game away. So that's a team Rutgers, you know, as you said, one of the best defensive teams in the country. Offensively, they're not a very good team, which we saw. Um, defense is their calling card. That's what you know. That's why it's always a difficult matchup against them. You know, Amori did some really good stuff today against Illinois. I think he got twenty. I think twenty and ten or something like that. Somewhere close to that. You know, he was, you know, really dominant at times in that game, but. Nobody else could really get in a flow or get in a rhythm. They were doing a lot of their damage in the paint. They they had a hard time scoring from, you know, outside of the paint. Didn't make a lot of free throws on their end either. Uh, so yeah, Illinois gets the W against Rutgers. And as we were discussing, it wasn't just Terrence Shannon Jr. Though he did check in two and a half minutes into the game, and I would say a a warmer response, at least from what we could hear on TV. Brant, you were actually at the game. What did you hear? How was that reaction when, when TSJ checked in for the first time? Yeah, I, it kind of reminded me of, I mean, to use the current WWE reference, it's kind of like LA Knights music hit and place popped and got up and it kind of got muted because when he put him in, it was during free throws. So yeah, he kind of he when he when he got up, the place exploded, and then I think Gary was shooting free throws, and everyone quieted down. So, but I mean, it was there was a there was a few empty seats on both top of both ends, but I think it was a uh, actual sellout. The it was a lot of energy in that building that wasn't in there the last couple games, and that's obviously because Terrence Shannon Jr. Uh, was immediately eligible is ruled by Judge Lawless, which is always an interesting <laughs> thing in the case. But um, he just – he basically came in, and here's what I'll tell you, and I want to get Pleasant's thoughts on this because I love his perspective. The only thing I'll say is there was some concern on my end that Shannon was going to come in and try to hit a grand slam with no one on base, and that's not what he did at all. He, he worked yeah. the count, to use a baseball metaphor, passed up some shots, and that ball movement and people movement and cutting and shot fakes and – Dribble and kicks, that's as good as I've seen from an Illinois team in all the games I've been to. And they got a lot of high-quality shots, and it seemed like Shannon had never really left, to be honest, in terms of game flow. Plus, what did – you were up watching on TV. What did what was your kind of main takeaway from Shannon's return today? It was seamless. Like, the way he fit back into the offensive and defensive schemes, it was just watching him, like, dish out assists early – like showing the his teammates and showing the crowd and the fans, hey, I know what my role on this team generally is, but I want you to understand that I am here for you. I am a part of this team. I am not just the star of this team, but I am a piece of this team. So watching him on both ends of the floor give what we know Terrence Shannon can do. There were some you know, issues with his shot early, but he eventually settled in. He got a couple of those moments where he's downhill with momentum with the ball in his hands. And we know what that happens. Get out of his way or get put on a poster or put on your ass. That is what is going to happen. And he 
he looked like himself, especially as the game went on. I, I, I always I always say basketball is the game of elements. And what the elements that Shannon brings on both ends of the floor are they magnify what the Illini were capable of doing without him. They were still able to do most of the things that they did today, but they don't have a six foot six guy who's an elite run jump athlete, an excellent shooter, a good decision maker, and a leader on the court. When that guy comes back in, it amplifies everything you do. And Harmon's game got easier. And and Garrier's game got easier. He's such a huge component of what this team in its idealized form is capable of doing. So it was just a joy. Like from a basketball fan perspective, forget all the off-the-court stuff. Just watching him on the court is always a joy. He dunks like he's mad at the rim, and he drives downhill in this poetically beautiful way that I don't get to see very often in the college game. Yeah, I thought that was really cool to see the um, the entry. I, I wasn't sure, you know, was he going to play 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, whatever. I mean, it's like he didn't start, but he came in two and a half minutes into the game. So he might as well have started. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you're like, what's he going to do? How is he going to integrate into the game plan? And then boom, run out, pass, dunk. Next possession, run out, pass, dunk. Like just phenomenal. It's like you couldn't have drawn it up any better unless he was the one dunking the basketball himself. So it's like, okay, he's feeding other players to get other guys involved. That was kind of the one thing, and Robbie Hummel had said this before initially when Terrence Shannon got suspended. was like, yes, obviously Illinois is going to miss him. He impacts the game. But it wasn't like he was averaging, you know, seven or eight assists a game. It was, a lot of his stuff was, I've got the ball, and I'm going to wreak havoc on the rim. I'm going to be aggressive downhill. And we certainly saw that again on Sunday, but it was nice to – as you use that word, plus integrate. It was nice to see him just get other guys involved, reacclimate himself. It was somewhat seamless, though. Offensively, it took him a little while to get something going. But that's I wanted to ask Brant for his perspective on that because it, it did seem a little muted at first because. He stood up and you heard the crowd, like you took the jersey, the warm-up jersey off, and you heard the crowd sort of get riled up. And then it was like kind of like mild applause. And I was like, how is this going to go? And then once he started doing those things, once he made those passes, those assists on those fast break dunks, it was like, okay, we're back. Like This is what we expected to have happen. And again, it, it's it's a complicated thing. There's going to be some conflicting feelings there. I think Terrence Shannon, for what we have in front of us right now, should be playing. This decision, this injunction, is not related in any way to the charges that are against him. Let's, again, remind people of that. This has nothing to do with that element of things. This was strictly a response to the University of Illinois' decision to suspend Terrence Shannon Jr. and their seemingly lack of interest in bringing him back at all. So that's that's where this came from. It was not this judge proclaiming any innocence. It has nothing to do with the charges that still are in front of Terrence Shannon Jr. It was 
The university suspended Terrence Shannon indefinitely. Okay, cool. But there's been no progress in this case. Like, we're just kind of sitting here waiting for things to happen. So in the meantime, let him play. And that's what the TRO was about. That's what this injunctive relief was about. I don't know if it's going to last a week. I don't know if it's going to last a month, the rest of the season. We don't really know. But I know, Brant, you've been very outspoken about this, maybe not necessarily on social media, but I know in conversations you and I have had privately, you and Pleasant I have had, this outcome is what you have been expecting and were hoping to see earlier than it did happen, quite frankly. Yeah, and it's, uh, a, I want to make a, a comment on kind of the formatics of what happened. So he filed for a temporary restraining order, and that's a 10-day order typically, unless it gets extended. This was actually the uh, the higher burden of proof, which the judge ruled a temporary injunction, which is indefinite until the court makes a different ruling. So it sounds like until there's finality in the case, Terrence Shannon Jr. will be not allowed to play, but he has a legal right to play now. And one thing I do want to mention also is you know, the importance of NIL extends now beyond just the ability of these college athletes to profit off their own name, image, and likeness. Now he has the right to make a personal income and have a livelihood, which in the time before NIL, this relief wouldn't have happened. He would have had no legal remedy and wouldn't have even filed anything, and he would have been suspended indefinitely, and his college career would have been over. So the importance of NIL now is – granting some of these human beings their right to make a livelihood, which I think is just an outstanding thing that no one really considered before this. And from a perspective looking at Josh Whitman, the athletic department, Oscar, the DIA, um, sounds like they're going to maybe not have to go back to the drawing board on the policy, but they're going to have to add some additional layers of protection for the student athletes or the students in general to make sure that, you know, due process is afforded and that it's not guilty until proven innocent, it's innocent until proven guilty. And I think, you know, the burden's always on the prosecution in any criminal trial. This isn't a civil trial, this is a criminal trial. So I think the judge's ruling was, was what it was, and I'm not a lawyer, nor am I really maybe have any eligibility to speak on the legality of this, but I think reading the document, it was, I think, 30-something pages, um, seemed like it was well thought out. It uh, was not a rush to judgment in any way, shape, or form, and I think um, given the fact that the university did not reply in any way, shape, or form in terms of filing for their own injunction or an appeal, they just let the judgment stand on its own merit and reinstated Shin immediately, and you know, I'm not necessarily a conspiracy theorist in and of itself, but it makes you wonder if maybe this was, in a roundabout way, what potentially the policy is designed to do is to give Illinois its protection and say, hey, we suspended them and we did our due diligence on our end according to our policy, but now it's out of our hands and we're going to follow the court's orders. So it's just really, the whole thing is very interesting and this Terrence Shannon Jr. case with Illinois right now, and that ruling, that's going to set a new legal precedent moving forward for not just Terrence Shannon, but any other athlete. So it's going to be, this is going to be talked about in perpetuity moving forward. And I'm, I'm, 
I'm happy personally that Terrence Shannon is allowed to play. I'm happy that the burden the burden has been placed back on the prosecution. We don't even have a preliminary hearing yet. That's going to be a whole afternoon. Apparently, it's going to slip four hours. That's typically an hour. So, the preliminary hearing is February 23rd. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, if any additional evidence the prosecution has, the DA from Lawrence, Kansas has, and potentially what additional cases the defense team is going to make for Terrence Shannon Jr. So, that sounds like it's put to bed for now in terms of basketball and on the court. Just Let's just take it. This is one other thing I want to say. Let's just pretend Terrence Shannon is not an All-American. What if Terrence Shannon Jr. is the eighth guy on the bench? He still has a reputation. He's still a grown man, human being, and he deserves to have his reputation intact until it deserves not to be intact anymore. So I think a lot of things happened, quite frankly, to Illinois' benefit from a procedural outcome and also on the court. But I just I'm just couldn't be happier with the outcome of the, of the injunction being granted and also the results of today's game. So just great day to be an Illinois fan, cover Illinois. And um, this changes the dynamic moving forward. I don't know what you guys think, but uh, I think if you're Purdue or Wisconsin or, or any other team that's planning on winning the big 10, you get the highlights of these games and you're like, son of a bitch. They put 86 on Rutgers and didn't make a free throw. Didn't make a three. And the last thing I'll say is, Shannon being on the court allows a guy like Justin Harmon to get 18 points and get to the rack because it's just the lane's not crowded anymore. It's just a completely different atmosphere at, at the game. The game's played completely differently. And I think moving forward, Illinois announced now that not only is Terrence Shannon back, but we have plans to give whoever wants to give us competition for that regular season Big Ten championship. So, Sorry for the long-winded answer, but I had a lot to cover there, and just want to see what you guys think about all this. Uh, thank you, Brant. Appreciate that, and apologize for any technical difficulties. Brant is in transit, driving back from Champaign. So if there's any uh, garbled audio, it's uh, just you know chalk it up to cell service traveling. Are you on a 57, or how how are you getting back to uh, to Belleville? Uh, we're on 70 right now. We're gonna get off on Route Four and go through Lebanon and go back to. Uh, the homestead here and I'm going to write a, a Pulitzer prize winning column on this, on this game and the situation, hopefully here that should be posted in the morning around eight o'clock by our should, should win several awards, our editor, Stephen Cohn. So looking forward to that and seeing what kind of uh, interest that generates. And I used some M&M references in the last piece. I think I might use a couple more of those in this next piece. So um, I'm a little M&M kick. So, there you go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I think the gist of what you're saying is true, though. Like, and I said conflicted earlier. I, I understand both sides, and I've said this before. Like, being a fence sitter isn't the very sports media hot takey thing. But, like, we know why Illinois made the decision that they made. And the university made its decision because of their profile and they're trying to protect themselves in a way. And Terrence Shannon Jr. and his legal team are reaching out saying, Hey, wait a minute. What about his profile, his future, you know, all of that. Um, but I understand from a PR perspective, Illinois might want to distance themselves from it. Like, Hey, this is pretty serious. Like this could get pretty icky. 
so I, I get the fans that are kind of, I don't know if disappointed is the word, but I, I understand fans that are uneasy about Terrence Shannon playing. But I also understand the fans that are elated and ecstatic that he's playing, at least for the time being, Plez, don't you think? Yes, until final adjudication, we're all still in this kind of purgatory of thought, I suppose. I, I understand, you know, kind of like you said, I understand both perspectives, but what I what I really what really rubs me the wrong way is the presumptive rush to a negative conclusion on the basis of the existence of a charge that some people have decided like some people's i understand unease but what i don't understand is this you know oh look brad underwood is behaving like other scumbag coaches who ignore their players moral turpitude i don't appreciate that particular mentality pre-adjudication for the reason that they did suspend them the the process did go to the courts and the courts have taken a stand for where things are right now. To continue to make that accusation toward the coaching staff and the university is something I find offensive. I think I know the root of why people have such a negative feeling about Terrence Shannon being in that particular situation. I'm not allowed to say it out loud, so I'm not going to. But I think you guys both know what I'm talking about. I think there are some people who are absolutely rushing to judgment because of certain phenotypical characteristics of the accuser and certain phenotypical features of the accused. So as long as we sit in this particular pocket pre-adjudication with a judge ruling the way that they did, too much specious accusations on either side makes us all look stupid. So I encourage everyone who is thinking about going down that particular road or school of thought, whether you're quote unquote on our side or not in terms of being an Illinois fan or not, whichever one you are, I encourage you from the bottom of my cold dead heart, stop that shit right now. You know, here, here's what, I, here's what I was talking about with some of my friends and, you know, people reach out to me for like, they have inside information because I don't really have much and I wouldn't share it if I did, but here's what I'll say. Let's pretend it's not Terrence Shannon Jr. and he's not an All-American guard at the University of Illinois. Let's pretend it's your son or it's your best friend or it's you or it's someone you know and care deeply about. Would that change your outlook on this situation? And would you want your own son or your best friend or your nephew or your next-door neighbor's nephew, whoever it is, would you want him to have the ability to make a livelihood and play before the court decides what's going on? Or would you still have the same opinion? Plus, what you said there was just amazing. Or would it change a little bit? And you got to flat earth. You got to flat earth this, and you can't look at it just through the lens of who is who is involved in the case and what his place is in the college sports landscape and from a fame perspective. This is your son. This is you. This is your first cousin. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people would have that feel like he shouldn't play regardless because he was charged. They would have a different opinion. I can guarantee you that. And I can see both perspectives only from an empathetic standpoint, but from a practical standpoint and from a logical standpoint and a legal standpoint and legal remedies, I don't have a way in my brain to have any type of sympathy for those people because I don't understand 
how you can come to that conclusion unless you either think he's guilty or you would have the quote preference that he's guilty. And I'm just, I just, I just don't get it at all. And I'm glad he's playing. And this all happened because there was a policy written down that Illinois followed. They wanted to make it a legal matter, quite frankly, they as in the DIA. So Shannon had a legal remedy. He pursued that legal remedy. And the outcome was ruled on by a judge. And he has the right to play now. End of story. I, I just want to move on at this point and start talking about basketball again, which we're going to have the opportunity to do. And um, the preliminary hearing is going to tell a lot of the story. And um, that is where, just so people can understand the situation, the preliminary hearing is where they make the decision, are they going to pursue this and take it to court? Or is this going to get ruled on, you know, by the bench at the preliminary hearing and is something going to change? So there's, there's a lot, there's a lot still to even prove, quote unquote, from the prosecutorial standpoint. I'm just glad we can have an actual conversation about this and not in the Facebook comments and in the Twitter comments. And so yeah. thank you both for allowing me to do that. And I think uh, we're already just kind of move on. Yeah, I think that's uh, that is a good place to leave it. So thank you, Brant, and thank you, Plez, for your insight, your perspective. Again, we're not lawyers. We don't pretend to be. We don't even play them on TV, but we'll see what happens when the uh, the court appearance, which was scheduled for the 18th, gets, you know, it's now the 23rd of February, as Brant pointed out. We'll see what happens then. I think until then, you just carry on and you forge ahead and you keep Terrence Shannon on the court, and then you just see where it goes from there. So, again, thank you, Plez, and thank you, Brant, for your insight there. Uh, just a reminder that Oski Talk is sponsored by Liddyville LLC. You can support Illini athletes as well as University of Illinois alumni organizations and charities at liddyville.com. All of their merchandise is officially licensed. So check them out at liddyville.com or follow them on Twitter at Liddyville Gear. Again, L-I-T-T-Y-V-I-L-L-E.com. Following your advice, Brant, we are going to stick to basketball we're gonna shut up and dribble in a way uh, we're gonna go to previewing the next opponent for illinois and that is northwestern a game that illinois won by 30 back in champagne at the start of the year uh, january 2nd a rousing victory that was the first big 10 game without terrence shannon that was that second game you had the fdu game where they scored 104 and then the follow-up was the Northwestern game where Illinois scored 96. So the first two games without TSJ, Illinois dropped an even 200 on their opposition. It's a road game. I don't think we're going to expect 96 again, but uh, certainly a game that Illinois should be able to win. They're going to be favored to win. I think they're going to be favored to win probably most of their games the rest of the season, if not all of them, maybe Purdue or Wisconsin, maybe not those, but they're going to be favored to win pretty much every game the rest of the season. What are your thoughts about the matchup with the Wildcats coming up on Wednesday? Plez, we'll start with you. Well, first of all, just something I forgot to mention before, Brant, if I know you use Eminem references in your previous uh, column referring to the Michigan game. If you're going to refer to the Rutgers game, in your next column, um, and you're going to use a hip-hop reference from someone from that area, I would recommend either Red Man or Naughty by Nature. Either one will work just fine. Both are legit from New Jersey. 
secondly, I'd like to remind any Northwestern fans listening to this particular podcast uh, that you are not Chicago's Big Ten team. Evanston is not Chicago. Evanston is decidedly specifically not Chicago. I know it's close. I know you walk one block north of Rockers Park. You are in Evanston. I do not care. You are not Chicago. If you raise your children in Evanston, you did so, so you're not raising them in Chicago on purpose. So I just want to remind you of that. So when you start wearing city jerseys, you should be wearing Evanston jerseys, not Chicago ones, you clowns. Thirdly, as far as the the on-the-court matter of the game, obviously Northwestern as a program has gotten better the last couple of years. When Chris Collins looked like he was dead man walking, he somehow resurrected the thing they brought you know, some talented guys, some really productive players back this season, and they still got backhanded by 30 points in in Champaign earlier in the season. Like you said, Drew, I don't think we're going to see a repeat of that 30-point beating in Evanston. But what I do think is that this Illinois team, since that game, in some ways has, has coalesced even more. And their, their rotation has tightened. You notice – Illinois plays a very short rotation these days. And against a team like Northwestern, that that actually bodes well for them because they don't need to necessarily vary up their looks offensively with an eight- or nine-man rotation. The guys they have who who, who have specific skill in in moving the ball and and it's especially especially the the offensive rebounding that Illinois is capable of doing against Northwestern. I think Illinois has a decided on court advantage, even with the shortened rotation. And I do see this lining up as definitely a winnable road test for a team that that has greater aspirations for March. Yeah, and I would I would go as far to say I would be more shocked if Illinois lost this game at Northwestern than I my shock level after they lost at home to Maryland, to be pretty honest. For all the reasons you just mentioned, um, just from a schematic standpoint, everyone and their brother knows that Chris Collins and Northwestern is going to post-trap every single time. They're going to try to post-trap booty ball. They're going to try to post-trap any kind of entry feeds into the post. And with the way Illinois moves the ball in general, we saw what the outcome was when they played in Champaign not that long ago without Terrence Shannon. Now with Terrence Shen Jr., who I assume would be reinserted into the starting lineup, uh, effective immediately moving forward. I, The only way I could potentially see Northwestern winning this game is if they have an out-of-body experience from the three-point line and go like 11 for 18 or 11 for 16. But even with that being the case, I don't see a, a direct avenue for Northwestern to be able to handle the Illinois from a defensive standpoint. And uh, I'm expecting some chirping towards Terrence Shan Jr. from that uh, Northwestern student section. That's fine. It's not going to bother him at all. Um, he played just fine today. I know it was a home game, but half the fans are going to be Illinois fans in attendance at that game regardless. And I would say Illinois is probably going to be favored by seven or eight points, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I would expect a pretty easy cover here and um, expect Illinois to win this game somewhere in the neighborhood of, I'd say, 85 to 70. 8468 somewhere in that neighborhood and uh we're gonna shoot a little better from the line and from the from the arc here um looking forward to seeing what happens up in Evanston not Chicago as you absolutely correctly pointed out Chicago's big 10 team is Illinois always has been always will be and 
going to be a fun, fun atmosphere. But Illinois should walk away with a pretty easy win here. And uh, curious to see, Drew, the bearded one, what your perspective is here. Uh, yeah, I was just checking on a couple of things here, and yeah, you know, there's no line yet that I'm seeing, but Illinois is a about a 64 percent has about a 64 percent chance to win according to uh, ESPN analytics. So I think somewhere in that you know seven eight point range probably makes sense to me. Um, maybe it's a road game, so maybe you dock them a couple of points and say it's you know five or six or something. I, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know. Northwestern, I think it's like 36% from three. So they're not a bad three-point shooting team by any means. They average like 72, 73 points per game. Illinois is, I think, 10 points clear of that. I think they were about 82 and a half coming in, and they scored 86 on Sunday. So, you know, right about at their average, a little bit above that. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's probably a safe a safe bet. Plus, did, did our petition to the Big Ten and to – the television networks get lost in the mail because, again, we're playing an 8 p.m. game, a 9 p.m. Eastern game on a weekday. What are we doing? What is happening on a damn Wednesday? So, so Drew, to be fair, a lot of the, you know, this game was done probably largely because the Northwestern fans wanted it because most of them are used to, you know, the time in Malibu and Beverly Hills. So it really isn't that late for all 17 Northwestern fans who plan on watching the game. So I can, I can at least, this is one where I can understand the 8 p.m. start time in the middle of the week. They did it for Will Bond, right? Because he's going to be living in Arizona. Yeah, He's going to be at his Arizona house to watch this game. Yeah. I did want to point something out that happened today. Um, you know, as they like to do when uh, dignitaries are in attendance, they'll put their video of them in their seat on like the Jumbotron, and guess who was in attendance today with their son? Illinois legend Kendall Gill. They showed him on the on the Jumbotron, and everyone started clapping. Ah, and, he, nice. and he pointed to his son, and his son kind of did the half stand-up, and uh, I will tell you, the crowd got pretty jacked. Uh, I was like, that's an interesting timing. Kendall bringing his son to see a game right before they play Northwestern. So, um, obviously, a, a legacy <clears throat> recruit that Illinois has to be able to uh, pull and sign, and also, guys, we didn't – tomorrow's January 22nd, is it not? There is a point guard that's going to be announcing his college destination tomorrow. And yeah, if you like crystal balls, you're into all that. It looks like Illinois is going to get a pretty nice uh, start to their week on Monday when uh, Jeremy Fears – not Jeremiah Fears, Jeremy Fears. No. Sounds like he's going to announce his intent to play for Brett Underwood and – Flip it. University of Illinois. So um, – you got to put that am thing down, flip it, and reverse wrong? it. Jeremiah. Jeremiah, Jeremiah is the class of 2025 commit who may or may not be issuing a verbal pledge to the Illini on um, Monday afternoon. What what kind of parents name their two boys the same name? Joseph and Joey? I mean, who does that? It's just a weird thing. George Foreman? Yeah, well, George <laughs> Foreman does. His name is all George. You're right. Um, so, it's I, is Phoenix Gill, he's a, he's a high school junior right now, right? <clears throat> uh, Phoenix exactly. Gill is a uh, junior at the uh, prestigious St. Ignatius College Preparatory in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, Phoenix Gill, uh, the other night, uh, led St. Ignatius with 20 points to an upset victory over number 12 Rich High School. So, yes, uh, he is a junior. That is correct. 
Yeah, we got to we got to get him wrapped up, man. That's a big. That's that's just one you can't lose, especially to Evanston's Big Ten team. That just can't happen. I mean, we got to get him in there. And honestly, like Kendall Gill, was, if, I don't, he was he had good seats, real good seats, wearing his Letterman jacket. If he didn't watch that game and think, "Holy mother, this feels like when I was playing." I mean, that's kind of what it was. I think we had, yeah. I think we had eight or nine dunks, if I recall. Um, couple from Coleman Hawkins, a couple of just outstanding tip dunks by uh, the newly newly mentioned father Quincy Gary, who just played great again. Yeah. Um, we had, and then Shannon had that just tremendous like just tore the rim off the backboard in that last one before he exited yeah oh, that was ty rogers had a dunk oh, ty rogers had a dunk yes it's oh. almost like someone's been talking about that at the champagne room about hey oh. let that guy know I... that he is allowed to use the backboard and or dunk yeah by rule you can use the backboard and by rule you're allowed to dunk <laughs> so like it was just a it was it was just a great game to watch um this is kind of honestly the team that we've been begging for we haven't had a team with this kind of athleticism and this type of ability from a multitude of players at this high skill level especially offensively i mean i just don't know how it's any team since the flying illini i mean the 05 team was exceptional but they were more you know on the ground skill they were more like the army where yep the flying Illini was more like the air force and i think we have this we have the great team to watch they share the ball and I mean, something of note that I don't think we talk about enough is how much Underwood has calmed down since he has some players that can actually play. Yeah, I would agree with that, Brent. I think, uh, yeah, to your point, I was in the house in Knoxville when they played Tennessee, and and Brad was not demure. He was not calm, cool, and collected in that game. He was very upset. Um, weren't he's not like a mere image of Fran McCaffrey anymore. Yes. He doesn't just fly off the handle three minutes into the game. Like he used to, but he saves it. I think he saves it for, uh, for the proper moment. And we didn't have a lot of moments to really get the red ass about on Sunday or red face, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think we'll probably see that if, uh, if there's another tight rematch against Purdue or Wisconsin or you know, if uh, Michigan State comes calling again or something, I, I think you'll you'll probably see that that demeanor from Brad Underwood. But uh, Brand, like you said, I think the flying Illini is the the most closest comp to this team. Like you said, that 0405 squad was great. They were brilliant. They had great basketball IQ. They could score from everywhere, but they weren't the they weren't Lob City. You know, the flying Illini predated that Lob City by by a long way. That like you said, there's four or five guys on the floor at the same time, all around the same size. Yeah, you got Shan or uh, Coleman Hawkins who's six ten, but you got Shannon, Gary A, Damask, Goody, Rogers. All those guys are like between six five and like six eight. You want to throw Harmon in there at six four, sure. But you got a bunch of guys that are around the same size, similar to that flying Illini group, and. They share the ball well. They get everybody involved. And, of course, they can just absolutely hammer it when they get a chance. Very exciting to watch. Yeah, and like that – yeah, just to put a button on that, like, 05 team, you know, they played North Carolina in the championship game, and they didn't shoot well from three at all, but they didn't have a lot of answers from a defensive standpoint for I, – I, I mean, I know UNC had, like, three lottery picks, but they were a team full of athletes and just individual playmakers. And 
that's probably what did Illinois in that championship game along with not being able to make a shot. But, you know, if you go back a couple of rounds when they played Arizona, Arizona similarly constructed. And if we don't have the best comeback in the history of a regional final at Allstate Arena, you know, and they don't even make the final four, that team's at this point largely an afterthought in the grand scheme of things for Illinois. So just an interesting point to make. No, I, I second that. Plaz, what about you? Yeah, I mean, the, I think the the final line I comparison in terms of complete switchability and athletic ability in different ways, different looks you could you could produce offensively is the best Illini comp for this particular squad. If you want a recent other Big Ten program, this pro, this team kind of reminds me of. Remember the John Beeline era Michigan teams where they had all those guys who were like again between six four and six nine. Who just were interchangeable. Tim Hardaway and those guys. The those teams were constructed so well. And and they and an old man beeline really drilled them on the fundamentals. So they executed well come game time. Now, old man beeline did eventually wind up saying some stuff that he shouldn't have said that got himself excommunicated from the coaching ranks. But as a college coach at the University of Michigan, I think his time period was underrated. And I think that Underwood kind of looks at across between that and the toughness of those Tom Izzo Michigan State teams that always find a way to make tournament runs. And that's his inspiration for building the get old, stay old, veteran, versatile teams that might not have the most freak athletes. But, man, if you have guys like Coleman Hawkins with that kind of basketball IQ and versatility, and if Luke Goody is like your fifth or sixth best offensive threat in any given day, you know that you're a contender. So shout out to Coach Underwood for looking at the team that he built last year that looked like, on paper, a great team versus this team that looks excellent on the court. And I'm glad that now that we've got we've got that kind of a program arc going in Champaign. And I, and I think that as, you know, all the players who run out of eligibility at the end of this season leave, I think we can see what kind of players will be targeted in the prep world and in the portal. Yeah, the portal for sure. I think uh, obviously you're going to get attention because you're a Big Ten program. That's always going to draw eyeballs to you, Uh, whether it's players that Brad Underwood's recruited before, like a Quincy Garrier, um, or, you know, some guy that you just recently exploded on the radar. I think we were joking the other day that, like, Mac Etienne is at DePaul now. Like, remember when Mac ETN was like this stud recruit and Illinois was like on the verge of getting him. And then he goes to UCLA and it's like, man, like it just, that's not, we could do a whole four hour podcast on that. Of like the guys that Illinois quote unquote missed that wound up not really panning out very well. You have like Drew Timmy, who was an all American and like one of the greatest players of this era. But other than him, like everyone else, it kind of worked out fine. You know, it's like, man, Drew Timmy would have been a great pickup for Illinois. But it's like, you're taking Drew Timmy, you wouldn't have Kofi Coburn. So, like, how does that, you're, you're playing like the butterfly effect game when you do that. So, I, I think in the portal, that's what you got to look at. You got to use this as a template as best as you can. You're not going to get this exact productivity. But uh, I think last year was instructive as far as, what we want to try to avoid. And then this season is a great example of, we just need guys that play well together. 
know, we need that coherent, cohesive group. You know, we need the best combination of players, not just the best players. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the ultimate point is, you know, it's not baseball where it's nine people doing individual things on a field. It's more like football where, you know, you could have, you know, the Eagles tried to do this way back in the day and they had the quote super team and they didn't do anything. They had a bunch of really great players, but a super team in basketball is not what a super team is in some other sports. And the pieces have to fit together. You're putting together a puzzle and trying to fit together an eight or nine piece puzzle. You're not trying to fit together a, a team of just highly ranked recruits and all-stars. And if I'm, if I'm at a Valley school or I'm at a high mid major, even a, even a major school and a coaching change happens, or maybe I'm not a great fit. Like I thought I was going to be because of scheme change. If you're a Marcus Damask type or a Quincy Guerrier type or a Justin Harmon type, and you want to go somewhere where you can make an impact and win. Why is your first call not to Brad Underwood and his staff at Illinois at this point? Yeah. I mean, I just think we have a great class coming in. If we can keep the people with remaining eligibility and, you know, we, you had the conversation with, amongst ourselves in the section today. You know, you're you're going to lose Shannon. You're going to lose Gary. You're going to lose Harmon. Probably going to lose Hawkins. He has one Hawkins. year left if he so chooses. But he's probably going to go to the NBA at this point. Um, but you still got like so the kind of the forgotten man. As I know, Sincere Harris isn't going to start and play 35 minutes. But if he improves a little bit, he's going to be coming back and he can at least play defense. Um, you got. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the film on Merez Johnson. I'm sure you have, but. Jace Butler looks like he's going to be an absolute just yeah. great pickup. And then if you can add one of the Jeremy slash Jeremiah Fierzes that's still in high school, um, that's a good class coming in. And if DGL sticks around and can kick his mom out of the family or however he's going to do that. Underwood is going to get a minimum of two guys that are star level caliber next year. He's just going to yeah. do it, if not three. You know, the sky's going to fall a little bit, but this isn't going to be the end of Illinois basketball in any way, shape, or form because you lose a lot of your players. I mean, yeah. he's going to be able to pick some corrective actions through the portal, and uh, Illinois basketball will be just fine next year. Yeah, you pointed out Coleman Hawkins uh, a second ago, Brent. I just want to give some flowers to Coleman Hawkins, especially if we go to the Michigan game. I mean, 21 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 6 steals. Oh, by the way, he's six foot ten. Like this is the type of player that we've anticipated Coleman Hawkins to be. We've seen a lot of bad Coleman in the past with just like poor shot selection. It's not making good basketball plays, but this year he's upped his game and and he's been one of the most important players. And we said that in the offseason too, like when Shannon and Hawkins both announced they were coming back, it was like like, that's tremendous. We need both of those guys back. But when TSJ was out, a lot of guys stepped up, but Coleman Hawkins has put the whole skill set on display. And I think uh, he's he's going to be uh, getting his bag here uh, very, very shortly, for sure. Just wanted to give him credit for a hell of a game against Michigan. Um, he's, he's been that piece that we've been hoping he would turn into. And I'll just say it one more time, other than Zach Eady and Purdue, name me another Big Ten school that would not take Coleman Hawkins as their five man immediately. Yeah. What let's let's I'll throw a team out there. Switch Mati Sissoko and Coleman Hawkins out. And you tell me you want to go play Michigan State. 
in any way, shape, or form at any venue. I wouldn't want to. Because now that changes their whole dynamic. I mean, he'd start at West, he would start as the center for every team other than Purdue. And they have a generational just stud in Zach Eady, who's averaging like 35 points and 18 rebounds the last three games. So, I mean, he's yeah. just he's been excellent. And even today, shots didn't go in today, but I think he had another four or five steals. He had eight or nine. I think he had 11 points and nine rebounds, according to the Jumbotron. I mean, still had a highly productive game. And, um, you know, his ability to, even though he didn't stop Amari today, his ability to just kind of take him one-on-one and, you know, do the best he can stop. Everyone else was able to get stopped because he could kind of handle him a little bit. And just, he's been excellent. I've been, you know, I've been kind of conductor's hat on the Coleman Hawkins train now for a few years. And I'm just happy that uh, some people want to get on the train and take a little ride because there's plenty of room. And I think, I still think in March, if this team is to make a, legitimate deep run to a, a final four beyond Coleman Hawkins is going to be directly responsible for winning at least two games of the tournament. Yeah. I, I think uh, as, and we've discussed this too, Coleman Hawkins is very important to Illinois winning. So if he doesn't play well, that's going to hamper Illinois chances to win. So again, just wanted to give a quick shout out to Coleman Hawkins for his stellar work the past week, specifically that Michigan game. That's a game. I don't think, uh, I, I think it was, like no players since 2011 or something had had a game like that with you know, the 20 points, the 10 rebounds, the six steals. And oh, by the way, he's six foot 10. So yeah, we're running out of time here, but you know, Plez, Honeywood, Brand Dolce, thank you very much for your, your contributions as always. And a lot of basketball left, but I think uh, if, if Terrence Shannon stays put and he stays on the court, this team is going to be, elevated to an even higher level we saw what happened sunday against Rutgers. it's exciting as hell when he's on the floor and they're even better but you're not going to be worse <laughs> with terrence shannon coming back so as as well as they've played uh, in those six games without him it's even better with him so brant plez we'll talk again soon all right sounds good thank you for having me i really appreciate it yeah, once again, thank you to Plez Honeywood and Brand Dolce. Always appreciate their time, their contributions, and their insight. Make sure you follow the Champagne Room on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're all there. And if you like what you heard today, you can listen to this episode and others at thechampagneroom.com as well. You can also download and subscribe to Oski Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Another busy week of hoops starting with Wednesday against Northwestern. Be back here next week to talk all about it. I'm Drew Pastoric, ILL.